You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everyone, it is Wednesday evening, time for some American Winer here on podcastdetroit.com. My name is Alex. How's everybody doing? Joining me today from Los Angeles to talk about the uh, last week's Oscar ceremony is uh, Mr. Will Huff. Will, how you doing? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me tonight. Yeah, thanks for coming on. My brother uh, has so many stories about you that he shares with uh, with me, and uh, and he was like, "You should get him on your podcast." And uh, I was like, "Well, I I tried it. We didn't do one last year, but I did an Oscar show the year before that, and I was like, he'd be good to talk about the Oscars." And so that's what we're doing here. But yeah, tell us about yourself, man, and tell me about you because I don't really I don't know a whole whole lot. So just uh familiarize yourself with our audience or help our um, audience get familiar with I, you. The, the easiest way to explain myself, I got to, came out here to Los Angeles to go to film school. Okay. Got my degree, my bachelor, my BA in acting. And also while I've been out here, I've been producing writing just for fun and some for, like economic value. But um, I don't know what else I can say that doesn't like, that's the hardest part about it is talking about yourself. I know. Right. Well, when did you move out there? How long ago? Oh God. Um, It would have been September 15th of 14. I was on the road. So I would have said September 18th of 14 was the first day I hit Los Angeles. Oh, wow. So almost six years then. You've been there almost six years. Yeah. Uh, where are you but, from? Hey, I, I'm from a little town called Columbia, Tennessee. It is about 45 minutes south of Nashville. Huh. It is a, a historical city where the president, a previous president, James K. Polk, was born in this city. And... That's the only thing most important about that city. Columbia, Tennessee. Yeah, James K. Polk. He was uh, the only Speaker of the House to ever become president. And uh, he yep. he was he's considered sort of like the only president who was good at his job in between Lincoln and I want to say like Andrew Jackson. There was that litany of like presidents oh. that no one can name in between Andrew Jackson and Abraham Lincoln. And out of all that, there's there's I think there's like seven of them and out of them. Uh, James K. Polk is considered the only one who was turned out to be good at his job. He only served one term. He 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 has the largest. He acquired the largest plot of land for the U.S. other than the Louisiana Purchase. It was most of the Pacific Northwest, and uh, and he said, "I'm gonna I'm I'm running for this for one term. I'm gonna I, here's what I want to get done in this term, and then uh, and then I'm I'm bowing out into the sunset." And that's exactly what he did. He he got elected. He did a lot of the things that he said he was going to do, and then he was like, "All right, I'm done," and that was it. Um, so James K. Polk, and he was from Tennessee. He was a senator from Tennessee and a congressman from Tennessee, and he was also Speaker of the House. So that's a very significant thing. And I just I every time somebody mentions a fucking president, I have to to rattle off the knowledge, the trivia that I've learned about them. Oh, that, you know, that's awesome. I have a before I went to film school, I was I have my associate's degree in history, and I knew some of that. But I must have slept through that co- class where they were talking about presidents between Jackson 
and like Lincoln, because like you said, most of them tend to be not lame duck presidents. Yeah. Well, a a lot of them, like the three that we had before Lincoln, uh, Fillmore, Pierce and Buchanan. Buchanan is considered our worst president ever. He's the one who's blamed for allowing the Civil War to break out um, into open conflict. Pierce was just – it was sort of this ineffectual – I think he was from New Hampshire. I think he might have been a senator. Um, but he had like – he had suffered some personal tragedies. He had sort of this unfortunate incident during – I want to – I don't – it wasn't – it couldn't have been the War of 1812 because he would have been too young. But there was some war uh, where he was – he like fell off his horse or something and like he was branded a coward after that. And so he just kind of could not get a break. Um, and then Fillmore took over for Zachary Taylor, who was uh, a general before he got elected and was very popular. But then Fillmore was just kind of this, he's, I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere the most thing, the thing that he's most known for is being our most handsome president. People said he looked like Alec Baldwin. I don't see it when you look at portraits of him, but um, that is a bit of trivia on him as well. But yeah. So anyway, um, you're from Tennessee then, and you moved out to LA about six years, it'd be six years ago this September and yep. you, you produce and you write, um, you see, you tell me before yeah. we went on the air, you, you're a waiter, that's your day job. And, um, and yeah. you live with my brother <laughs> and two uh, and three other people. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. w- tell us about the stuff before we get into the Oscars discussion. Um, tell us about some of the stuff you've produced and, and written. Like what are the, you know, just kind of, I know um, it's kind of difficult to sum it up, but, uh, maybe talk about a couple projects you've done. I wrote a, I have technically full projects. I wrote a short film in, um, when I was getting my, um, associate's degree that actually we filmed on, um, that we filmed at a, we had a TV station at the college. So we actually talked to the, um, the dean of schools to see if they would let us use the TV station. And we filmed the short film called the source that is on YouTube that you can, it's like seven, eight, nine minutes. And I'm actually the more and more as age goes on, I really love this project. It's not perfect, but I actually really love it because it makes me feel good about myself. (laughs) Um, And I have two, I have a two pilots, one's a suspense, and then the other's a political um one a political show mm-hmm. pilot that is set actually in the um the in the West Wing, but it is it's the West Wing on steroids okay that's basically what i'll explain that's the easiest way to explain it without taking up the whole time of this the show but uh but you Uh, wrote you wrote those or you were in those or what was the yeah i was i wrote both of them okay and 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 so there those are those are pilots that you're sitting on right now or are you looking to get them produced i'm sitting on one i had talked to a producer who had told me as a writer i'm not old enough to sell a political script because of my age. And how old are you? I am 31. 31. Okay. How old is old enough to sell a political script? They were saying it was like, you need to be in your like early forties 
40s, 50s. Huh. So it's not much different it, it, from running for office then because the younger you are, the harder it is to get taken seriously. So apparently that bleeds over into the fake, into the fictional world of politics as well. You need to be at least in your early 40s if you really want people to take you seriously. Yeah. Weird. Um, but you're sorry, you were saying? It is. Oh, it, it is. And I feel like that's unfair for new writers that if a script is good enough, they should be, they should base everything off merit. Yeah. But there's sometimes when scripts are amazing and they just don't work. You mean it like, it just doesn't work. Like what? I was going to say, what do you mean? Like it just doesn't work like the, it's, it's, it, it may be amazing, but it's, it's, it just isn't the right time for it to get produced. It may not find an yeah, audience. That's like, exactly. Well, like there are certain things that you look back at, like, Oh, if it would have been, um, I there are certain shows that are like put on the air too early. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like a cut four or five years too early. I think they would wait. But I think that there's some shows that that's the opposite effect. Is like some shows they're too they're often put on too late than they should have been. Mm-hmm. But it is it really. That is such a touchy subject, correct? Like creating your own show and like putting it on the air because I feel like there it's a hit and miss aspect with it. Yeah, and I think it's almost to the point that you can't even really think about whether or not it's quote unquote the right time because how can you really know? You can probably make some calculations and 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 sort of make an educated guess, but you can never know for sure one way or the other, if something's going to hit, there have been plenty of shows that went on there that nobody was expecting anything from. And now they're the, you know, yeah. they're considered some of the greatest of all time. Um, there's a, there's a great store, like short story of Vince Gilligan who wrote breaking bad. Yeah. Was saying when he wrote breaking bad, he had already written for the X files and then went to ABC and said, I have this thing about a, uh, science teacher who gets un- gets cancer and wants to make meth and the heads of ABC went, uh, I'm sorry, not happening. Yeah. And he goes to NBC. It's like, they say the exact same thing in CBS. He went through like so many different networks and they said no. And he got that AMC and the head of AMC went, actually, there might be something there. And then it got picked up and then the writer strike happened as the first midway through the first season. And it's Vince Gilligan says because of the writer strike, it helped him re smooth out the show and created this phenomenon that it is. Yeah. And then it turned out the guy from AMC was right. So the guy, you know, the guy who takes yeah. the chance ends up, you know, he just happened to be right. But then there's other ones where you take a chance and, and it turns out everyone else was right because it, the show goes nowhere. But and that's also true with the, uh, you know, the the longer time goes on, you kind of look back and you're like, uh, I, you know, a couple of years past or a couple months or whatever, and you can look back at a project that you may have put down and you pick it and thought that, and maybe you think like, oh, this isn't ever going to work. I'm never going to be able to finish this or get it to a point where I can show it to people. But then you you pick it up a couple months later with fresh eyes and you're like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And here's I, – I just need to fix this and I need to fix this and I need to fix this. That, so 
that's how my writer I will say that I'm one of those writers where I will not sit down and write 60 pages in, let's say, a month. I'm, I can't do it because I will be critiquing every problem with it. Yeah. So I have to give myself roughly about a year. Usually in that year time frame, I will get that that problem, that script fixed and work on something else while I'm working on the script that I'm trying to finish. I, that's how I find it. I find it, I, the people who do that, the writers that do that, really surprise me at how well they do that. But I, I can't. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm the same way, man. I, I don't really write scripts that often, but um, it go. It's the same rule no matter what I'm making. If, excuse me, if uh, I can't just sit down and just bang it out, it it happens, but it's never a final draft. I've never sat down and produced what is essentially a final draft. It always has to go through at least a couple before it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, I can post this or I can. Just to where you know it's done, it's like because it's never going to be perfect, right? But you get to a point where you're like, this is as good as it's going to get. It's it's it could I could always I'm always going to be wanting to be tweaking things, but this stands up on its own. This is good. I can move on to other things now. And for me, like like you said, I wouldn't say it's about a year. It kind of varies, but you know, I'm like a like I try to write every day, and I'm lucky if I get a thousand words out. You know, that's. Sometimes I'll do more. Some days are really productive, but on like an average day, I I'm lucky to get a thousand words just because it's so, like you said, you're critiquing every little thing you see. And plus, if you're going, if you're doing another draft, you're going through and seeing what you already wrote and you're kind of like, you're, you're just looking at it and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking with this? This isn't going to like, there's, you know, how am I going to change this sentence into a full blown, like explaining how this character does this one particular action and, and, and having it be interesting and, and, and fit into the plot. And uh, it's, it really is, it really is a, a challenge, but the thing is, is what's so great about it is, is when it works, that's when it's all worth it. Even if nobody sees it, it's still like, Hey, it's like finishing a puzzle or something. It's, it's very, uh, very rewarding in that way. How many things do you have... oh, go ahead? Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? Well, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you how many like scripts do you have? Is it just the two that you mentioned, or do you do you have more? Oh no, I have a full fledged play, a, a about a hundred and twenty page play, um, that I have finished and I have done my final draft and had a. As you were saying, when there are those times when you hear the here's your work the as the author hear it being read out loud, there are those times where it's just perfect Mm -hmm. and you're like mesmerized with sometimes you like, I thought it was good, but when I heard people speak it, it was like a whole nother level. And sometimes that's a good sign, but some in that same ballpark, that's sometimes a bad sign because Usually, as the writers, you aren't very. You want it to be somebody so, a certain way, and you, most of the time, as I need somebody else to critique what is working, what's not, and that's how it works for me. But yeah, I have a couple of projects, and a lot of my projects are midway through. They're about halfway to it's completion. Like I, yeah. Well, that's that's interesting, and then as far as the the read throughs, I've had a couple playwrights on, 
And they say like that is the most terrifying thing is when you show because it's like if it's gonna if it sucks, it's really gonna be a painful read, and you're probably people everybody in the room is gonna know it pretty quick, you know. So it they say that there's that moment of like right before it starts where they they just kind of get really fucking nervous, but they're like, we have to do this. It's gonna be okay. If it's if something's wrong with it, we'll fix it, you know. But the the uh, the they were telling me about that the read through. I've had I'm trying to think of how many. I've had at least two on, maybe more. Um, but uh, they uh, th- th- that's what they were saying is the read through is just absolutely terrifying. So that 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 makes oh, total it, sense. It absolutely is, and I've learned that. I am not one of those. I will never be a pinter like a Harold Pinter. I could never. I do not believe space is a great thing for as a writer mm-hmm. because in my head is people don't talk like that. People talk more William, like Tennessee Williams, uh, Sorkin. Uh, I'm trying to remember the one who wrote Angels in America. Oh God, uh, Edward Albee. Yeah. Like, that's how we talk. We talk very quickly and we talk with intent. It's like we're not, and I'm, it's like when I heard my first, like, play spoken out, I can't explain the excitement that I had, like, the feeling that hearing it and it actually sounding as I wanted it to. Yeah, that's and that's the other thing is is that relief when you're you, they start and you're like, oh, this actually it's okay. It's it, it like you said, it's it came out the way I wanted it to. It's working. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting too. You said like the uh, the way people talk. You're absolutely right. Like you know, I think Sorkin and uh, and uh, the other guy, oh, Tennessee Williams, um, are more they approximate the way people talk. But especially Sorkin, people are not that eloquent and articulate 100% of the time. They'll, they'll, they'll stutter like I am right now. They'll not finish sentences. They'll start a thought, not finish the thought, jump off to another thought. It's very chaotic and very difficult to sort of get down in a way that's interesting on, on paper or on a screen. It, it can be done. Elmore Leonard is, is considered, he was a writer from Detroit. He wrote, um, Get shorty and wrote, uh, um, didn't he write? Uh, wasn't he a uh, wrote Justified? Yeah, he did. Yes, wasn't he was one he of the, yes, he he did. I don't know if he created it or if he just wrote the book that inspired it, but yes, he was he was involved with that. He's considered quote unquote sort of the gold standard of dialogue because he was very good at, at sort of approximating the way people talked without making it. Like two, there there weren't too many mistakes in there. Like if you just listen to the sentence that I just said before I'm, I said this sentence right now, I'm, you know, you're sort of laying the tracks down as the train's coming up behind you, and uh, it's it's this it's very difficult to capture that on screen and still have it be coherent and interesting or on paper. But Elmore Leonard was pretty good at that. He could make you sort of uh, forget that uh, you were you know, these were fake people or whatever that for lack of a better way of putting yeah. that. But, um, but yeah, it's, I'm trying to think of it. There, there are other writers that do it very well, but he was, he's sort of the one that I always go to when people bring up dialogue is, is, is Elmore Leonard. Um, so anyway, man, so yeah, we've got some background on you. You're a, you, you, uh, you produce, you write, um, you've got a bunch of projects that you've done. The source is on YouTube. So if people want to check that out, you can, uh, I, what do you type in if you want to find that? Well, um, it's, 
I think you will have to type in Columbia State Community College um, Cinema Society, and it should be under its page. Okay. Because I think I had to put it on the Columbia State um, uh, YouTube channel because we shot at the um, the uh, news station. Oh, okay. So the source, uh, Columbia State yeah. University uh, YouTube channel. Or, yeah, it's Columbia State Community College. Community yeah. College. Okay, cool. All right. Um, yeah. So um, did you watch the Oscars uh, last, not this past yeah. Sunday, but the Sunday before? And so I'll just ask, yeah. I'll start off by asking you this, like, what did you think? Like, just what was your, what was your first, what's your first thought when it comes to last, the last Oscars ceremony? Um, it, it was good. Was it perfect? No, but I think that is very hard to do when it's a, almost a three and a half hour ceremony. Right. It's like, I'm not sure if I like the idea of not having a host, but I, it actually felt like it went quicker. And, but I don't know. I, I'm, I go back and forth like I've, these last two weeks of how, how do I really feel? Like, do would I want Billy Crystal or Jimmy Kimball to come back and host? Yeah, but it would make it so much longer. And I know people get so bored out of their mind watching it. Yeah, it's and I mean it's it's long as it is right now. I mean, what the last two ceremonies have had no host. Um, I'd say the way I look at it is a good host, even if it makes it longer, can make it better. Like Billy Crystal is sort of the the I don't for lack of a better word ultimate Oscars host just because he was so good at it and he would do those musical numbers and it was sort of a mix of like modern at the time it was modern and and charming but then it also sort of had this throwback to the classic Hollywood era and uh, and Jimmy Kimmel did his thing um, but the, to be perfectly honest like last year when they did the no host show it it ended. And I was like, that actually worked pretty damn well. The only thing they needed to do was sort of give Julia Roberts something to say, so she wasn't she wouldn't go up to the mic and be like, "Well, apparently that's it." Uh, and, and it seems like they kind of got that this year with Jane Fonda ending it and and being like, "Okay, well, everybody have a good night." That was we've we've given out all the awards. It's, this has been the uh, whatever the number the uh, what number Academy Award was this? This was the ninety second. I think ninety two. Ninety second. Yep. Yep. Um. So. Yeah, it's uh, the the host thing is I, like you said. I guess I could take it or leave it too. If it's a good host, um, great. But if not, then I think that they're probably going to stick with the no hosting format now because it you know the whole this way they don't have to have another incident with Kevin Hart where people have a problem with it and Twitter blows up and then and then they have to deal with the fallout of that. I did read though that the the. Uh, because I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now, the ratings have gone down. Like this is the lowest rated Oscars since before 1980. Like it's because that's how long they've been keeping track of it. Um, and the last one that did well was 2014, and the most watched one ever was in 1998, which was when Titanic won. Uh, so it's interesting. Here's as great as I know that, but the problem with that is, is in 1980 through about. 98 there were like you had your 
stations. It was a very few stations. So everybody tuned in to that station. When you have like 200 channels plus sports games going on, plus uh, now we have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, CBS, All Access. Um, You're going to have people watching it. You can't be shocked that it's going to be so low and going, oh, no, it's not doing as good as I wanted it to. It's inevitable it's going to happen. And that I'm not as shocked as everybody everybody is because I'm not really everybody's watching something else because we have so much content out there that's why they're doing it absolutely I completely agree and and not only that you know a a lot of people nowadays like like me I mean I watch the Oscars but every other award ceremony if I even bother to check it out I just watch the who the award speeches on Google or like maybe a funny uh, sketch that went viral or something like that, but I'm not going to sit down and watch the whole thing. You know, uh, it's, it, and the other thing is people are more aware now than ever that, uh, this is just an, you know, a, a, an advertisement masquerading as an award show. Essentially. It's just, they're just selling us the movies. That's really all it's, it's, it's main purpose is it's to sort of sell the movies, which is fine. That's just part of, part of the business. But, uh, to to not keep that in mind when discussing the 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 awards and everything. I mean, these like you said, the um, this is all uh, it's the actors campaign for the awards, and it's and it's not like it's it's just all merit. And so it's I think that is another uh, that's another factor in the in the I, dropping ratings. I've heard that theory of what you're saying. I must be the one to. The Oscars, for me, are the top tier. It's what... I don't see it as a a camp... Like a public campaigning for them to... Oh, just to award a film. I believe it is based off of... Some of it is based off, like, technicality. Actually acting. Yes, you campaign for some time. But sometimes, most of the time... Not all the time the film that wins like the acting categories or the directing categories or the um, best picture usually are the ones that deserve it. Mm -hmm. They might not always be the prettiest film, but usually they're the audience's favorite film. And that's what it should be. It's like, I think it's always been that way. It's just now since the campaigning aspect, which I've never been a huge fan of, of them like sending all their actors and actresses to every single late night television show to try to get the get voters to vote for them. Yeah, and they go and they go to parties and they send out gifts and it's all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I have this. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, it's it's because you said like it is sort of the gold standard of award shows, per you know, in in a way because there is merit involved. But the, like I said, it it doesn't negate the uh, the fact that it is still an advertisement. Essentially, I mean, everything on TV is an advertisement. That's just what it is. Every, oh, anything yeah. on the screen is an advertisement. Um, and that's okay, but like it's just you have to keep that in mind if you, and then you can look at the the merit meritocratic uh, 
um, aspects of it. Cause it does, there is some, some merit to it. Like, like I said, it's, it's still like, excuse me, the, uh, like Joaquin Phoenix winning this year. He, he gave, you know, he gave a really good performance in Joker and, and he, he, he deserved the statue. He won. That's another way you can tell is he, did they win every other award, you know, pretty much leading up to it. Parasite winning the four awards that it won. This was another situation where everybody watching it, even if you don't like the Oscars or even if you don't, uh, you don't think it means anything. You're like, well, yeah, Parasite was a damn good movie. Now we can get into the semantics of what what makes a good movie and what makes a movie the best movie of a year of the year. But you can't argue that it wasn't good and it wasn't one of the best from last year. So, yeah. so it makes sense, and and, th- and that's what you were getting into. I think when you said like for the most part, not always, but for the most part, they get it right. Yeah. Yeah, I will say with you on this, and maybe I'm the only one, and please, for the whole internet, please don't come after me. I was not a fan of Joker. I think Joaquin was the only reason that film worked. You're absolutely, I agree with you. I think think it's an okay movie, but because he was in it, it made it like, remarkable because he elevated that script in that film it would not have worked if anybody else was in that role absolutely it would have flopped it, it would have not worked yeah it was a and mediocre movie it was it was very similar to bohemian rhapsody of last year that rami malek won for it was a mediocre movie with a i'd say joaquin phoenix was better in joker than rami malek was in bohemian rhapsody but it was a mediocre movie with a really good performance in it. Same thing again with yeah. Renee Zellweger and Judy. That was a that was that could have been a made for TV movie. I don't know if you saw that, but it it was just I I saw it twice in theaters. Oh, you did. And I I the problem is here's the problem with that. There are certain films that have to be seen in theaters. That and if you watch them, because I've watched once here here in my um in our apartment and then i've seen it twice in theater i didn't get the same feeling i did each time that i went into the theater Hmm. and i feel that that film has something into it that it's the audience around you you feel what everybody else is feeling but i do see what you're whatever that complaint of oh it could be a tv movie oh it could be but there was nobody that was going to beat her. No, not no, even. not at all. No, the the performance was it, amazing. It's like, yeah, it's like everybody saying, "Oh, it was Scarlett Johansson in the Marriage Story," and I was like, "The movie's the movie's good. Is it the best? It does it deserve? Did it deserve Scarlett Johansson to win Best Actress? No, not yet. She will win." further on the line but i don't think that was going to be her yeah yeah like, and she's been she's sort of had like she's been a darling since she was i mean how old was she when like ghost world and girl with the pearl earring came out she was like in a late in her late teens so she's been scarlett johansson has been sort of on the 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 upward trajectory for her whole career so she'll i'd say she'll have one within the next five years the closest she ever got was um, Sophia Coppola's Lost in Translation. That's right. She never got nominated, but she was like so close to getting nominated. And I think if she would have gotten nominated, 
she would have won that year. That's right. Yeah, and, I, I, but, I still haven't seen that. I got to see that. I, is that is that? Have you watched that recently? Lost in translation. Um, it's probably been about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. So it theoretically, it's been recently. Yeah, I gotta, but, um, I gotta try it, that it, out. It's an amazing movie, but I'm. It's like I, I feel like this year with its at, the acting categories, where they were pretty set from the beginning because nothing else was going to overshadow the ones who won. Yeah. The only category, and this is my own personal belief, that where I think it was a he was just overdue factor, and that was Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. I don't... I don't his performance was the best thing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I am not a fan of the movie because I find the movie to be a little bit slow for the first three-fourths of the film, and then it just suddenly picks up really quickly in that last 20, 20 to 30 minutes of it. But if I had my preference in that category, I would have went with Joe Pesci. Because yeah. I think Pesci's was so mesmerizing and so different from what we are used to seeing Joe Pesci play. Yeah, there was no uh, maniacal uh, freakouts or or or, any, or comedy. It was just this sort of straight gangster performance. Plus, he hadn't done anything in like twenty years, so this would be this would be yeah. the last time you know he does this. It, I mean, the guy's almost eighty, you know, and he doesn't seem to have much interest in acting that much anymore he has yeah it's been about 20 years for him and yes he has an Oscar but there is something about that role that was just remarkable um, but no I do getting back to where the, we were originally going to um, it is it is a marketing ploy you are right it is a marketing ploy but sometimes they do the ones who win do deserve it. Oh, and definitely. I don't want to, I don't want to discredit the ones who win because that isn't fair to anyone. Well, and it's, it's, but, it's also, you're, you're right. And then it's also like a, a, even if they may not deserve it the most for that, this particular role, like with, um, I'm trying to think like Julianne Moore winning for still Alice a couple of years ago, uh, that was probably not her best performance, but it was sort of like it was like you said, she's overdue. We have to give her one because she's been one of the best actresses in the past twenty years, and she deserves to be recognized for it for her work. The funniest thing about that that year, the twenty fifteen, I went looking like who else was, what else was that year? There would have I couldn't have thought of somebody else who deserved it. There wasn't a number two. I didn't see a number two. Like, that was worth giving Best Actress to. So maybe it was inevitable that that, because there was no number two, it was hers. But that she was amazing in that movie, too. I, I'm Maybe I'm just, like, I ha do like her as an actress. I think she... Her choices as an actress is very, very, very unique. 
and she's never the same person. It's not like I, she's not the same character in all her films. Yeah. She's a, she's a chameleon sort of like she, I mean, she does have sort of her, uh, her regular Julianne Moore persona, like in Magnolia or in, um, I just saw a movie last year. God, what the hell was it called? It was about a wedding. Michelle Williams was in it. It might've been called the wedding. Um, but, uh, in, or, or in, even in the lost world, Jurassic park, which is the first thing I ever saw her in. She's just kind of this woman, you know, she's just Julianne Moore, but then she's also capable of playing Maude Lebowski or in still Alice, this woman who's got a degenerative mental disease. Um, or, uh, what's another movie that she, even in really the Hunger Games, she was kind of playing a character, you know. So, uh, so she's she's capable of both. She's got great range, and and she'd been, she'd had this incredible twenty year career. She still is doing well, but at the time it, was, it had been you know she'd been doing it twenty twenty five years and had never gotten anything. And so the Academy was like, okay, she did really good in this one. It'll look good on the on the history sheet. So let's give it to her now, and everybody will kind of know that yeah, this it, this isn't your best performance. This is, you're not knocking it out of the park with uh, the way that you did in say the hours or um, or uh, what else? Like even even this wasn't a theater movie, but Game Change. She was amazing as Sarah Palin in that, or the kids are all right, or oh Children of Man, um, or Children of Men. I mean, Children of Men, which was in a, I think might be. Everybody loves her in the hours or far from heaven. Yeah, that was I the think other she one. was amazing in Children of Men. Yeah, that was uh that, I, I, that was an incredible movie. But that was Alfonso Cuaron, so everybody should know it was inevitably going to be good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That was the one he did after Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And that was kind of his the beginning of the, the current uh um I don't want to call it a renaissance because it's not like he, he, it's just his upward trajectory. You know, he hasn't, that was sort of the beginning of the streak that he's been on where he, he just hasn't made a bad movie and he'll put one out like every five years and it's just, they're all different and they're all really fucking good. Um, and the, children and, of men was sort of the first one of that streak. I read an article that he did. He loved doing Harry Potter, the prisoner of Azkaban, but it helped for him doing that, it helped fund him doing Children of Men. And I just, I have, as a director, I'm always impressed with everything he does because nothing is, usually directors, and I feel this, have a eye of like, oh, you know what you're watching. You're mm-hmm. watching, oh, it's a Michael Bay film. Or it's a... Scorsese film, but his films, there is not, you can't, if you look at all the, his film, uh, when he's directed in sense, let's say the prisoner of basketball, none of them have is like something that is, that you can connect the dots as, Oh, I would know this was Alfonso Cuaron without knowing he directed all of them. Yeah, that's true. The, the, the streak has been very – he did Harry Potter, Potter, which was this children's fantasy, Children of Men, which is sort of this sci-fi thriller, um, but very grounded. He did Gravity, which is another sci-fi one, but it was it was even – there was no speculative fiction on it. It was like this could actually happen. Um, and then Roma is a, is a is sort of a pseudo-biographical historical kind of movie. Um 
Yeah. So you're right. Yeah, but there's he doesn't really have a brand other than the quality of the movies that he does. Yeah. And he's won. Did he win? He definitely won uh, last year for Roma. And I feel like he, he won, won again. Gravity. He won for Gravity too. Yeah. So twice in one decade. So I mean, yeah, he's he's been doing. He he's killing it. Uh, Alexandro Oritu had did that this this decade. Yeah, he did it back to back too. Yeah, and which was remarkable. And as much as I do, I love Birdman. I do love Birdman, but. I think The Revenant is just a gorgeous film. Just a gorgeous film. And he deserved both wins. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't think they're... Um, but no. I am surprised with both of those. Both... I think those two were like... Oritu uh, and Koron are always inspiring. Even for things Ritu did with Babel, which is possibly my favorite Brad Pitt film. Really? With him and Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Yeah, from 2006. Yeah, I saw that. I, I didn't see that when it came out. I saw it in like a couple of years ago. Um, it was after he'd won the two for Birdman and The Revenant. And, yeah. uh, and I didn't even know that was him. when it, I remember when it came out, I just never saw it. Uh, but it was, it, it it was good. It was definitely good. It was, it was a sort of this, it was a very complicated narrative and, uh, the way, and he strung it together very well. It was very easy to follow. So that's, you know, he does that sort of his particular thing is like just the, the, um, I guess the Revenant, not so much, but with Birdman and, and with Babel or Babel, he, uh, he did the uh, he strings together these sort of difficult narratives like with Birdman was all one shot and 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 yeah so you know who else is really good though is uh, is Bong Joon Ho he's been the guy who won this year for Parasite he uh, I've loved his movies since The Host which came out the same year as Babel which was uh, 2006 and um, he's been doing good movies for the past 13 years yes because yes. There's the host. There's Snowpiercer. Then there's uh, Okja. Yeah, Okja. Yeah. I'm not sure how you pronounce pronounce it. I've never actually heard it pronounced like correctly. But everything he does has this like social aspect of humanity and like what um, all the films of like. Snowpiercer is about society, as um, as is Parasite. It's class warfare. Yeah, it's always it's uh, always uh, it's class warfare themed. A lot of his stuff, like even Okja, was about you know capital. It's it's really not even class warfare. It's more just capitalism. It's sort of critiques of capitalism or themes of of capitalism and what's wrong with capitalism these days. Um, even the host has aspects of that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's been, that's a really good example of a, of a filmmaker who's sort of just every film he does is a step upward. And, you know, he, he sort of went into the Hollywood mainstream with Snowpiercer where he had a bunch of famous American actors. And then he did the same thing with Okja that then he did the Netflix thing with Okja. 
you know, tried that. And then he's like, okay, I'm just going to make another Korean film. And then that's the one that is sort of his crown jewel right now. It's like, that's the one where he earned his name and his freedom. I mean, he already had a good career before this, but now it's like, it's getting, being gilded like this is sort of the, the industry saying, okay, you, your name is written in gold. Now you are one of us. You are not ascendant anymore. You have arrived you are an A-lister and you can do whatever you want now and people will pay attention to it. Now it's just, it's just on you to not fuck it up basically. Um, so I, it was this year had been one of those tough. I, I would say as I'd been watching the races probably since probably about November and parasite was released in like, June or July. Mm -hmm. So it was a while ago. And I saw it in theaters and was like, from like mesmerized by how good it was. And I was like, I I said to one of my friends, I said, this could win best picture. And I was like, and then all these other films started coming out. Then it became between 1917 and Parasite. Mm-hmm. I sat for the longest time with saying 1917. And then I was just all the friends that I have who are, um, who I have a couple of friends who are friends with voting members. And they were saying the film that everybody's loving is Parasite. And it's like, that's why we go to the movies. We go to the movies to find films we love. And sometimes, and but 1917 was just such a beautiful film. Yeah, I love 1917. It was, is it best picture? I didn't, I couldn't really get on that bandwagon saying, was it the best picture? It was the best technical film this year. Mm-hmm. hands down but I don't think it was best picture definitely not compared to Parasite I yeah I think Parasite was best picture it's like then there were people saying oh no it's going to be once upon a time in Hollywood but I think they want I think Hollywood wants to reward Tarantino and I do too because he was he's from Tennessee oh is he I didn't know that um, huh Yes, he's from, was born in Knoxville. Huh. And I think Hollywood wants to award him a best director or a best picture. But I don't know if I, I, I would have awarded him best picture for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was good. A little slow, but it was good. Um, I'm... And those were the only three. I didn't think that it was going to be Ford versus Ferrari. I don't think it, it wasn't going to be Little Women. It wasn't going to be what was the other one? Um, the Irishman. I would have sat with the Irishman, but the Irishman was not doing. It wasn't doing good anywhere. No, and the, and the Irishman had like like we were talking about Joker. Like the Irishman had enough of its own problems to sort of. It was, it was like when Green Book – it would have been like last year when Green Book won. It's like eh, I guess it's a good movie, but it has too many problems to really be considered the best. And The Irishman was really long. It was – it had issues, you know. Everybody agreed it had issues. What was the other film that 
it was a that everybody thought it was going to be and not it wasn't it wound up being Green Book. I can't remember what won last year or what was else was nominated. Uh, but here, I, I can uh, look it up for you. I got a laptop in front of me. But go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, with Green Book, Green Book was like it was this year. Everybody lo- loved Green Book. It was the film that wasn't that divisive. Oh, it was a Roma when people thought it was going to be Roma. Yeah, but that's I right. Told people, it, and my thing, I said this with people about Roma. I said, yes, Roma might be the best picture, but the industry did not want to award best picture to a streaming service. Not yet. Mm-hmm. That is that when that happens, the industry will change immediately. It won't be about us going to a theater anymore. And I don't think they want to do that. Yeah. Cause I, it will hurt box office revenue. Yeah. That is my opinion. And my, my opinion alone. Yes. There are some amazing streaming films that are out there. I absolutely agree with them. And some of them are strong enough that can survive on on screen in a theater. But am I willing to give that best picture, those films best picture yet? I don't know. I'm not certain as, as of today. Well, it's, it, it's going to happen eventually, man. Like I think within the next five years, it'll Scarlett oh, Johansson yeah. will no, have no, an no, Oscar no, and Netflix will. Mm-hmm. Cause they're not going to have any it's, choice. No, they're good because everything's headed that way. Mm-hmm. The question then becomes to be, be if we're talking about where the industry is going, does it, do you start watching, instead of going to the theaters, are all the bigger, are like more the arts films going to be only on streaming and all the big blockbuster films going to be in theaters, which I'm not a big fan about that. I don't like the idea. Sometimes I want to see a good art film in theater. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know if that happens. Is it going to kill? Is the industry going to be more important on making money dollar per dollar in a theater and willing to put blockbuster films in there than rather uh, Little Women, Parasite, um, small films like The Wife or The Favorite? Um, like these small films. I don't know where, I can't tell the future, but I don't know where we're going to go, what the next step is in where the industry is about to go. But if I did, I would be a billionaire right now. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't, my guess would be, it's never going to go absolutely one thing or the other, right? Like you said, it will. Ne- I don't think it'll ever be just blockbusters in theaters and only the art films on streaming. Even now, like I saw the two popes in a theater, and I also saw it on Netflix. I watched it twice because I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I think that's what it'll be. It'll be even. I don't think blockbusters will ever just be released on streaming. They will always be released predominantly in theaters. And including like the sort of the the B blockbuster, so like the the Marvel films that aren't necessarily ten, ten ten pole films, like Black Widow this year. It's just sort of it's another chapter in the story. You know, it's not people will see it, but it's not going to be the it won't be Endgame. It won't even be close to. It won't even be the first Iron Man. You know, um, 
And I don't, uh, I, don't I, uh, uh, to, to quickly go on with that, I don't know yet. I don't know on the idea of Black Widow. I like the idea on how it's going to do. Mm-hmm. I think that Black Widow is going to do better than expected. Oh, I agree with that. But it's it's not going to be. I mean, fucking the Avengers. All the Avengers movies oh, are in the never, top ten game, t- top ten movies of all time in terms of gross. So I I oh, think no, it'll do well. Will, Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's going. I think it will probably do. I think it's going to do very well, and I do agree with you. It's not going to get to be five hundred and sixty million dollars. No, I don't see that coming out. Um, but. I, that's yeah, I agree with you. Like ten pull fill, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, it's because it's like it'll do well. It'll it'll make its money back, and then some. It'll make a profit. It'll it'll because they've they've the way that they've scheduled these movies too. And this is a whole other conversation, the Marvel thing. But and I've talked about this before. But um, the way that they schedule those films is very strategic. They know exactly what they're doing with. Okay, we're going to release Black Widow here. We're going to re- release the second Captain Marvel here. The third Spider Man here. We're going to give them plenty of room so they're not competing with any of our other films. Black Widow is a perfect May release for them. It'll have been a year since Endgame came out, and they completely conquered the box office. They did exactly what they wanted to do with it, with the money and with the story and everything else. And this is a flashback, too, so it's not even a sequel. It's sort of like a here's something that you didn't know about, and here's what she was doing during the events of these other films. So. It, it's, they know exactly what they're doing. It will be a success. I oh, just, yeah. I just don't think it's gonna. It'll be uh, a major blockbuster. It's and, but I will say, and, and this is already happening uh, because uh, there are movies that are getting released on streaming now, like the Marvel movies and Marvel TV series. Um, so I could see, like in another maybe in another ten years, Black Widow would not be released in theaters. It would just be put on Disney Plus, and that would be that. Um, but so getting but getting back to the whole art films and on streaming blockbusters in theater, I don't think it'll ever be one hundred percent this thing and one hundred percent the other thing. It'll continue to be a split, but because we're kind of already there now, man. I mean, like the yeah. the blockbusters that come out, they support the the theater industry, and then films like I mean, Parasite got released. It wasn't a Netflix movie, but it was a small. Oh. It wasn't released in in the, the Google uh, the what do you call them the uh, the multiplexes uh, at least not at first and um, it, uh, it's, it it's it still it still became what it became you know so it's I still think it, we're not quite there yet. Um, the interesting thing about Parasite, I think it it premiered at uh, Con and people like were like the buzz was overwhelming yeah and i think even then they were like shocked with how well it did and it just like started from there and because neon picked them up and neon's a pretty uh, in my eyes they're a really very an artistic production company they don't pick films just for the point of picking the films very they have a certain look to them and they saw they must have saw something in parasite that none of the other production companies wanted to do because hey it helped them at the end 
Yeah, and and they've only been around for three years, Neon. And they've they've put it like one of my, my favorite movie of the first year that they existed was Ingrid Goes West, and they produced that. Um, the Bad Batch, they did that. That was a good I Tanya. That was another favorite movie of mine from that year. Um, they haven't done anything else since then that I've really loved, but they've done successful movies, and now they have their best picture one. It was three years into their existence, and it, and it's the first foreign film to ever win best picture. So they're they're going to be around for a while. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do next and what sort of projects they pick. Because, like I said, now they have their name gilded. Now they're they're going to they got people coming to them. They don't have to to sort of be so strategic or so they can take more risks now because because they're they have made their name. And it's going to be interesting oh, yeah. to see what they do. I I do agree with you. I think that it's going to be interesting to see where because like where they people will be coming to them instead of like you said uh, them having to go to people and go like oh we really like this script we want to buy it from you guys and make it a film it's going to make Neon up there with like I would say like the only other one that I put up there that high would be like it's Fox Searchlight would be like anything Fox Searchlight touches winds up being like critically acclaimed, and I can't explain how they do it, but there there are people smarter than I am doing that job, and they're doing a really really good job at it. Yeah, th- there's that one. Another one, another hipster one that always gets mentioned is A twenty four. They're they're very. Uh... They, they're they're to the point where like it's a stereotype almost like an, like an, it's almost like a I think that I don't know if there's a backlash going on now but maybe there will be soon uh, but Bleecker Street is another one um, but is I was going to ask is Fox Searchlight even around anymore because of the merger or did they it, it, it is technically still around it is still I believe it is still it's twenty I think it's twentieth century Searchlight now oh yeah because yeah. i know i think that's what it is called now i'm not a hundred percent sure but i know that they it isn't called 20th century fox anymore I, it's 20th century uh, i'm trying so to they, look it so, up here so it's like a division of disney now then is what it would be and like yeah. that's their i wonder what they're going to do with that like what the brand is going to be for those um but yeah, because now I'm looking through the all the different studios that there are. But yeah, so Neon is going to be really interesting. Like I said, A24, uh, Annapurna, they're another one that gets mentioned a lot. Um, so it's it, it, the industry is – first of all, it's the, the main thing is it's not going anywhere. There's always going to be movies. There's still going to be these blockbusters. The Marvel series is not going anywhere, even though I do feel like it's it's peaked. I don't think it will ever get to endgame size again. I think it'll still do well, I, but I don't, I don't, I, go ahead. I, I will say one thing. I will say when that event film, that last event film that they will do, the one when they get to actually bring all the Marvel characters into one event film, that's, they're going to be there. I think that one will out top end again. And you mean, and when you say like all the Marvel characters, you mean like after they bring in the Fantastic Four and the X Men and all the characters that oh, yeah. that people the the average person knows 
because I like I didn't know who Thor was ten years ago. I didn't care, you know. Uh, I knew who Iron Man was, but I didn't I didn't follow him or anything. Uh, so yeah. you you know what? You could be right, man. That could be globally that I could see that happening, but that's a ways off. It's going to take him a while to, to build up to that again. Oh, um, it'll be probably five, ten, ten years from now, mm-hmm. most likely. But no, um, I I think you are right. Like there are going to be um, now. Like I'm thinking, like yeah, we're going to have our big box films, but I think there will be because they do so well theaters. Uh, smaller theaters are going to pick up art films and go like, hey, here. It's some of the reason why I think like um, Bleecker Street picked up, I believe they picked up The Wife with Glenn Close, which is a very, very art, very art film. Very, I don't know if you saw it. Did you ever? No, but she was, they thought she was going to win Best Actress for that, didn't they? Yeah. And I think the problem was not many people saw it and everybody saw the favorite. Oh, and that's why Olivia Coleman won. Yeah. I hate to say that, but I will tell you this. If it, when it happened, she's doing a film coming soon and it's the musical version of the film, the show she won a Tony for on Broadway called uh there are sunset boulevard the, she's yeah, playing norman she's going to play norman desmond and oh. she won a tony for it uh on broadway no shit and she said she is coming back to do it. i think she will have one in the next five years you mean glenn close because i think the yeah i think the academy is kind of hating themselves in a way does she not have an Oscar yet, Glenn Close? No, she does not. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's another one that like a legacy award that they'll have to give give to her, even if even if it's not her best role ever, it'll still be like okay, you've you've this is for your career, this is for the whole thing that you've given us, because um, that's crazy. I didn't know that, and she was she was one of the first actresses that like I recognized as a kid. She was uh, in so much that I I was able to pick her out. She was like one of the first ones where I'd be like, Oh, that's going close. Even at the age of like seven or eight before I could name anybody, it was her Robin Williams and um, who else I'm trying to think there were, there were other ones, but I'm blanking on them right now. But anyway, uh, yeah, so that would be really cool. And I didn't know they're doing a, 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 a musical of sunset Boulevard and she's a good singer too. Do you know who's playing the, the, the male role? I can't remember his name. The guy who's, the reporter or whatever who comes to, to um, talk that, to her. It has not been set. The only casting that has been, the script is being put together as we speak, and they are, she will be, she is signed on to do the role of Norma Desmond, because I don't think anybody else could play her, play that character like she could. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to check that out now. I had no idea. And that was from 2017 that uh, the Sunset Boulevard musical is when she did that. So that's been a couple years now. She actually, that show did actually was on during like the late 90s. They brought it actually because it showed at the Royal Albert Hall in London. 
Really? She wanted Tony for it because it being there. Huh. And she couldn't get nominated when it was in 2017 because she had already played and won for the role. So she didn't win for the second outing. She won for the first. Huh. Which is, yeah. Um, but no, there are, like, getting back on to, I do think you are right, and I, but I hope it stays like this. That's what I do. Hope that there are the good art films that we go and see and walk out of the theater mesmerized because of the artists that we are. And I hope that there are films like understanding yet popcorn movies, blockbusters are popcorn movies. That's what they're there for to make you feel good. Like when something's not good, you go see a popcorn movie. It's, I feel like we judge blockbusters like we judged artistic films. I believe you can't do that. You can't judge them on the same level. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Because one, one is a product, one is a product, and the other – well, they're both products and art projects at the same time, but blockbusters lean yeah. more towards product and art – you know, smaller indie films tend to lean more towards this is a piece of art that I'm making, and that's the focus on yeah. it. So that's a good yeah. point, man. Yeah, that there's uh, – I, I do think that uh, – like you said, that's what they're for. They're, they're, you, you go to a popcorn movie to be entertained, and you don't necessarily want to think too much about what you're seeing. Did you see the new Sonic movie by any chance, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie? No, I did not. That's I saw that but last I, week, I, and, and it's that's exactly what it is. It, my mind was just turned off for the whole thing. Was it the best movie ever? No, but I would say it deserves to be to be making the money it's making now, especially after the debacle of the the sonic design that they had last year. Um, so yeah. I, I would, uh, that's a good example of that. You go to see Sonic the Hedgehog cause you just, you, you know, you just want to stare at a screen and, and eat popcorn and not think about anything. Whereas if I watch what's the, like if I watch parasite or the favorite, I, I'm, I want to be more engaged in the story. I want to actually, I want my mind to be working while that movie is on. And the, oh, it's yeah. it's great that we can have both, man. I mean, we're this is great that we can sit here and talk about these products, and uh, and and we don't have to worry about you know finding food or, uh, or or finding a place to sleep. You know, this is it's great that we're able to do this at all. Yes, I will agree with you. I I feel like I I will explain why I feel like. Did you get to eat? There was all this bad buzz for a film that I think that was not, was actually really good. People just, I don't know if it's unintentionally trolls going out and trying to kill the film itself. Mm-hmm. It's Birds of Prey. I think Birds of Prey was a really, really good movie. Oh, you, you liked it, man? I, I gotta say, dude, I, I hated it. Like, I wanted to like it. I, I think Margot Robbie is perfectly cast as Harley Quinn. I think she seems to have a lot of fun playing that role. Um, but in terms of like a just technically, that was you know what it was. That was a badly written movie for me. It just I wanted to like it, but it it like within the first like ten minutes, I was like, yeah, this is gonna be this isn't gonna work. This okay, is, but what did you, you like about it? I, here's why I think Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. The writer used the method of like how they did uh, the Big Short. Mm-hmm. 
where nothing is coherent really through the film. But I'm okay with it because it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be this artistic piece of work that everybody's thinking it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a popcorn movie. And that's what it is. And I don't it is and I think it would be totally different if it was a male driven film. You wouldn't people wouldn't be saying the same thing. But because it's a female driven film with female director and a female writer, I feel like it was intentionally that people went out there and tried to kill the film without giving it a chance. I don't know, man, because like there's been a lot of movies that like were written by. I mean, fuck, 1917 was was co-written by a woman. Um, there's been yeah. there's been um, you know uh, the farewell that was written and directed by a woman, and that did really well last year. I think sometimes I do think that that sometimes that does happen where people will because of a certain prejudice or certain uh, mindsets. They'll go out and they and they will actively try to sabotage the success of a of a particular uh, project or or work of uh, of commerce or art. But with this one, dude, like again, it just I was like, no, this is objectively bad. Like this is this is just it's very. Is it the worst movie ever? No, uh, but there were just there were a lot of things wrong with it, and it it, it those things sort of made it um, it it. It it was there were too many things. What's that? What was what was your problem with the film? The problem was here. I can pull up. I I take notes on all my the movies that I go to see, and uh, I can tell you exactly what I uh, I thought was wrong with it. The first thing was just like I said, the screenplay. It was the dialogue was not engaging to me. Uh, The hang on, I'm typing. Again, uh, the, the, none of the actors seemed to really know what they were doing there, except for Robbie. Ewan McGregor was trying to have a good time with his role, but it just it it didn't it didn't work uh, for him either. Um, and uh, like another thing is like I I I judge a, a movie on whether or not I'm checking my phone on it. I checked my phone a lot. I thought Journey Smollett Bell was very was miscast. I thought I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead or Winstead. She's I, I love her. She'll always be Ramona Flowers. She is she's good at what she does. She was miscast here. Um I heard oh you know what I said if if this was a better movie, Rosie Perez would have made a great Renee Montoya and she did what she could with the role, but it was just not it just it just didn't add up for me, man. That's that's really what it was. It was just sort of a whole bunch of problems with the writing the direction, I guess, wasn't bad. The sets weren't bad. I liked the final battle set where they're in that sort of looking funhouse looking thing. Um, it just, but again, there was just too much wrong with it for that, and that it got to the point where it didn't add up for me. So I, that's my answer. Is and I hope that's uh, I hope that's coherent enough to. Uh, no, no, I, I I will take. Yeah, I give. Hey, it's an opinion. I clearly understand it. I feel that. I read an article recently that was just stated from that said Ian McGregor's Black Mask was possibly the best DC villain that they've had. I read that too. Yeah. And, and so I, I went in hoping that he would pull that off. And I actually think he did. I do. There were certain lines that were like a little not cringeworthy, but like, okay. 
that's where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like where it's like, and somebody, it is in a way kind of right that the, somebody said the first, there's the problem with the movie in the first half that the last half is actually a pretty decent movie. And it happens to be when they go up to explaining where the diamond went. And then when they go back to the actual time of Harley come getting Cassandra Kane, mm-hmm. it becomes a different, a better movie. And I, I could, yeah, I could see that. Do I think it, do I think it is Justice League dad? No. Do I think it is Superman versus Batman dad? No. Yes, I would but, agree with that. I, I will give you that definitely. It was definitely, it was watchable. I'll, I'll give it that. Those movies are unwatchable. Well, maybe not Batman versus Superman. Justice League is unwatchable. But uh, I, I will give you that. It definitely is better than those. Yeah, I, but that is my opinion. And I feel like that's one of those popcorn movies that I think where people are getting their idea of what a popcorn film is and what an art film is. Mm-hmm. And that they that we have people out here, because it is an internet-based world now, that people feel like they should get their opinion and that they should be, that everyone is a critic. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, that is true. But I don't, I feel like sometimes people are just trying to destroy something because they don't want it to succeed. Right, because of the politics and, of it. That definitely does happen. That, that that does happen for sure. Yeah, and I feel like that's in my, because I, I feel like that's what was happening with Birds of Prey. Yes, there might be like small problems with it but that film should have made more money than it did and it felt like somebody went in there with bots and went had bots going on saying anything negative they could find and the only everything you saw for the right before the film was oh there are problems with birds of prey oh there are problems with birds of prey oh there are problems birds with prey six to eight months early Mm -hmm. that makes no sense for and that's I feel like unfair. This is not if this you don't hear about that with they did it with all the Star Wars films, the last two, mm-hmm. Last Jedi and or uh, what's the Rise of Skywalker. I think they don't give it. It's supposed to be you're supposed to enjoy it. You're not supposed to critique the movie. It has taken me as a long time as an artist and a director and as a writer to switch my brain off from what I should critique and what I should just enjoy. And that is something that I feel like we, a lot of people nowadays, don't understand. Well, it's 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 interesting, man, because like Black Widow is, is directed by a woman. So we'll see, you know, maybe that one will will be because I haven't heard any negative buzz about that. Maybe that'll change the closer we get to it. Um, oh, no. But the uh, only thing that with Black Widow that I know of is they had to do a few small reshoots, but that was it. Yeah. And those are normal anyway. Every every movie does yeah. reshoots. So 
Um, and plus, I mean, Scarlett Johansson, again, she's one of the best actresses of the millennial generation, the most successful and one of the best. Um, so, and she's already played this character in how many movies, like six movies now, something like that, maybe five. Um, yeah. So she'll, I mean, it's the supporting cast is great. Rachel Weiss is in it. Florence Pugh, who got nominated for little women this year. Uh, she's in it. So it'll be, it'll be great. But, um, but dude, uh, we actually, we got, we, what's that? Oh yeah. The last thing I will say, and then I know I will thank you tremendously for having me on here is that someone I would say for your audience to keep an eye on is Florence Pugh. She's going to be around for a long time. Yeah. She's uh, she's going to, she had her breakout year last year and now she'll have her name gilded at some point in the next couple of years. And she's, she's a lifer. She'll be, she, she'll be doing this as long as she wants to. Um, I agree. Uh, but again, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Man. Honor and thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, man. I, I enjoyed talking to you. We should do it again sometime. We'll have you on um, for some other topic, and uh, and okay. and maybe we'll do it like a group show or something. It'd be me, you, and, and somebody else, and uh, we could do a nice, nice uh, discussion about something. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks so okay. much. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Hang on the line. I'll give you a proper goodbye when we're gone, um, or when we're okay. off the air. Uh, everybody else, I'll be back next week. Um, I have uh, Kate Schmidt, who is a farmer. She works for the Farm Center at uh, Kensington Metro Park, and she runs uh, Goats Afloat, which is a uh, – uh, uh, she makes uh, goat soap. So uh, she's going to tell us about uh, working on the farm next week, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and uh, so I will talk to everybody then. But uh, everybody have a great week. Um, this has been American Weiner on podcastdetroit.com.